Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Book Journeys Radio, an interview series for... Welcome to Book Journeys Radio, an interview series for authors in transformation. From the basic fundamentals of selecting a book topic and overcoming writer's block to advanced techniques for publishing and marketing your book. Don't forget to check out our complete schedule and archive shows at blogtalkradio.com forward slash book dash journeys. Now, get ready to make a difference with your book with your host, Vice President of the Author Incubator, Jen McRobbie. Well, hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to Book Journeys Radio. If this is your first time here, we're so happy to have you here. And if you're returning, we are happy to have you back. Every week on Book Journeys Radio, we speak to accomplished authors who have gone from just having an idea for a book to a finished book that's ready to make a difference in the world. Our goal for this show is for you to walk away inspired and motivated to write your own book, whether it's your first or your third. Today, I'm thrilled to introduce you to Misty Laun, author of One Small Yes. Misty holds a distinction in our little circle here because she was the first of our authors to ever surpass 10,000 downloads within the first five days of her launch. So just to be clear, all of our, most of our books passed 10,000 downloads, but Misty's did it in less than five days. So we'll be talking about her writing process, but we'll also be talking about how she was able to bring together her community to achieve such an amazing feat. So without further ado, welcome, Misty. Well, thanks so much, Jen. It's so much fun to be connected back with the author community. Uh, once you write a book, I think everybody goes a, a bit into hiding, and then we come back <laughs> out and reconnect. So I'm glad to kind of be out of my post-writing recovery, and I'm back into the author community. Well, we're so happy to have you here, and, and we'll probably have to talk about what that um, what that post-writing feeling feels like. But before we get there, can you please tell everybody what One Small Yes is about and who it's for? Oh, you bet. The One Small Yes book really is for anybody who believes that they've been called to do something great with their life, and they, they want to know that, one, it's possible, and two, that there are certain steps and you can take and tools you can use to get there. And just to share a bit of my background, I always knew that I was uh, going to do something great in dance. Dance is my background. And I thought it would be being a dancer. I just thought that's what I would do. And it turns <laughs> out that my calling was to let the classroom be, be my stage, not to have a concert stage be my stage. And, um, you know, I once I figured that out, I didn't really know, you know, what that would look like. I just knew it was bigger than myself. So I just took the one small yes to say, yes, I'll open a dance school. And here, 19 years later, I have affiliated schools all over the globe. We have 170 of them in 35 states, Canada, Australia, Aruba, and Dubai. And they're serving 60, 65,000 kids a week. So wow. my encouragement through this book to anybody is if you feel like you were called to do something more than what you're doing right now, but what that is seems too far away, you really just need to make an earnest yes effort in the direction. And eventually over time in many yes efforts, you will get to someplace amazing. And I never thought this would be where I ended up, um, but it's way better (laughs) than what I expected. So that's really the story of one small yes is uh, to identify that everyone has a calling. And if it's too big, it's okay because you just need one small yes to start your journey. Wow, Misty, what a, what an amazing story. And what a great, simple concept that all we need is just one simple yes in the right direction. Mm-hmm. What was your first one small yes 
for writing a book? Well, my first uh, small yes, you're you're going to laugh because I think we just identified, you just need one small yes in the right direction. Well, I took a yes in the wrong direction. Oh, so, oh what a good my, story. My, my first yes was I knew I, I, I had been writing for magazines and I, I enjoyed writing. And I felt like our community, these dance schools that were, were listening and following what we were doing, that they would want want a book from me. And I thought it was going to be called eight steps to a better dance school. And I was kind of playing off the five, six, seven, eight, um, you know, language of the ah. dance, dance world. And I was about 12,000 words into that when I met um, publishing genius, Angela Loria at a conference. <laughs> and my first contact, and uh, you know, Angela well, but the listeners might not know her very well, but she's a direct speaking gal. So I'm oh, at yes. the coffee station alone, and she walks up, and she kind of throws her hands up and says, oh, I just had to have breakfast with somebody and tell them that they wrote the wrong book. Oh. And, my, you know, I, my heart just went down to my shoes, and I said, you know, I don't even know your name, but are you telling me it's possible to write the wrong book? And I said, <laughs> oh, people do it all the time. The worst thing you can do when you want to write a book is start writing a book. And I spent the rest of the conference pretty much secretly and obsessively following where Angela would sit, what she would say. And I thought, I need to get myself a little bit closer into her circle of knowledge because I'm 12,000 words deep into writing a book. And I'm pretty sure that if someone's writing the wrong book, it's me. So um, I scheduled, I guess the first yes was scheduling a conversation with Angela. And she was so gracious. There was really... Um, nothing that she was trying to sell me. She was just telling me, um, that, you know, this is where you are, and based on what you're telling me, Misty, this is the direction that you need to move. And for me, that was putting my first manuscript on the shelf and completely changing the focus of, of what I wanted to write from a how-to book to a platform speaking book. And my platform really is my life story. It's what we accomplished through those series of small yes choices and some of those detour choices, but that yes, your big calling will always pull you back on track. Oh, I love that story, and I'm going to have to and you um, can talk to Angela. You, with Angela. <laughs> About that. She's going to, if she doesn't know that that was the beginning of your journey, then she's going to absolutely love that story. Right. So, what's the truth? Exactly. Once you make made that commitment to sort of start this new book, to start what will would become one small yes, um, did you envision your project completed before you started? Yeah, I just had no other choice. For me, I lined it up with what I do in in dance. And if we say we're producing a recital at the end of the school year, we have to picture that project completed all year long. We start really uh. the same way as an author should start. We identify what it's going to look like on stage, what the kids are wearing, what their formations are going to be, what that song will be, what the music edits are, and then we work our way backwards. So for me, it was pretty familiar to envision a creative product project in its completed state. Now, I didn't have any idea what the cover would look like, but I knew what it would feel like to say, you know, we did it. We, we have this finished project. And, and I think that background, producing dance shows all these years, really um, made that normal for me to envision it done. I think you're right. Because I, what I suspect happens to a lot of authors on their journey is that they begin to, you know, they imagine this finished product. And then when the process doesn't meet those expectations, they become paralyzed. Oh, so did oh, that happen sure. to well, you at all? 
you know, it did because there are there are parts of the journey where instead of envisioning yourself as an author, and for me, an author is somebody who's published. If you're not published, you're not an <laughs> author, you're a writer. So oh. There were some places in my journey where I put back on the hat of I'm a writer, not an author, and those were the places where I would tend to get stuck. When I would find oh. myself so in the trenches of the writing process or trying to find my voice, and I would have to kind of step out to get a few feet back from the project and say, no, I'm an, I'm an author, and I need to keep moving towards that and not continue to be mired down. And that was really where my developmental editor came in closely mm. um, for, in, into my aid, just helping me, saying, keep moving forward. We're going to fix it as we go. And I, I really wanted to get my perfect voice, my perfect structure <laughs> on Chapter 1, and yes. for me, it was a little debilitating. On you know, I spent more time on chapter one than anything. And if I if I had um, trusted the process a little bit more and saw myself as an author while I was writing, I think I would have gotten over those initial blocks of wanting to have that perfect everything before moving forward a little faster. Wow, that's really great advice, Misty. Thank you for sharing that because mm-hmm. I think it's so easy to forget that the purpose of writing a book is so that you can become a published author, at least generally speaking. Right. So right. I think that, and just to, you know, just to back up and clarify, Jen, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with being a writer. I was a writer for many, many years, even <laughs> a published writer for many, many years. So that is not at all to discourage anybody or to make you feel less than if you're still in a writing phase. But author is synonymous with with that achievement of having gone all the way through from I conception of idea to the ideation, to the iteration, to finally getting that finished product. And I know that I know without, you know, this multi-step process that Angela <laughs> took us through. <laughs> and in my case, sometimes forced us through, I would still be ideating. I would still be writing. Um, and I might be doing that for years. Yes. I mean, when you were writing that first manuscript, when you were 10,000 words in, did you, had you imagined that being a published book, or um, was that more of this ideation for you? You know, I think it was um, my first layer of thinking, and it was really just looking at where am I right now? What do I do right now? And right now my primary work is helping dance school owners to reach their own goals. So I was trying Mm -hmm. to wrap my head around what is the best tool that I could give them. And when I pulled my thinking back out and had a conversation with my team, we kept saying, we just don't think this is is the right book. What do they really need? And what we identified was they really need permission to go after that, what I call the big C calling, what they feel like they were really wired to do. And that's, that's going to surpass enrollment ideas or marketing <laughs> strategies of 2016 or whatever the latest, greatest program idea is. And I didn't want to put all of that time and effort to write something that would be time-specific. I wanted to write something uh, that would have a timeless concept that would help not just school owners this year, but for years to come, not just for their dance journey, but for their life journey. And really anybody um, you know, who would have contact with our community that would help them as well. So we have parents from our dance students who have read the book. We have dance students who have graduated and read the book. We know that most of our dance students will not become professional dancers. They're going to go become amazing members of the community and doctors and teachers and husbands and wives and parents. 
we we want to send them a message that is not about dance. It's about more than dance. It's about finding mm. what you feel your DNA wired to do in this world and making earnest steps towards that. Oh, I love that. And 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 from what it sounds like to me is is it was almost like your focus was too narrow, interestingly enough. Yes. When you before you started writing one small yes. It, and I wonder if kind of a, No, go ahead. So say there's kind of a dichotomy in that when <laughs> Angela and I were first talking, it is very important to have something very specific to talk about. So when I yes. brought in my audience past, you know, dance business owners um, to this larger topic, I still had a very larger, excuse me, larger audience. I still had a very specific topic within the larger audience. So yes. I think that's an important distinction. You know, are you, you can go broad with audience or you can go broad with topic or narrow with both or one or the other. So I chose to broaden um, the people that I would be speaking to because I think it's a pretty universal concept that we're all wired to do something amazing and something that <laughs> a piece of the puzzle of life only we can play. Um, but I'm going to talk specifically about what that is. And that makes so much sense um, given your topic that, you know, you could make it so much bigger for a bigger audience. And I, I love how you were able mm-hmm. to come about to that because I, you're going to serve so many more people that way. Mm-hmm. That was so the goal. what was the hardest part of the writing process? I think the hardest part was deconstructing my own thoughts about what it would take to write a book. Um, as I mentioned <laughs> before, I, you know, I was um, several chapters into writing this first book and um, I, I took my own process for that, which was unlike the process that Angela brought us through. So really just surrendering to the process and trusting that even if the pieces weren't put to me in the way that I would put them to get together naturally, that we would end up with a pr- better product at the end. And uh-huh. um, to, if I can put this into dance terms, my previous book was um, choreographed on the fly, you know, as I had an expression <laughs> of feeling, and then this is what they need. And not to say that I didn't have an outline, but it was a very experiential journey. When I was yes. writing that, that, that first manuscript, like, I feel like this would be the next thing, and this is what we do. And the journey that I had with Angela was much more structured, and that's exactly as a creative what I needed. And that sounds counterintuitive, mm. But as a creative person, I needed the framework. I needed to be told on April 1st, you're going to do this certain thing. And on <laughs> April 15th, and then you're going to have this call. And, and by golly, there were, there were days and hours where it would come right up to the deadline, and I wouldn't have whatever the next piece was done. But I wasn't <laughs> going to show up for, for my publisher empty-handed. So it forced me to stay accountable. And without that structure, I think I would have kept uh, just choreographing my own writing experience. And, and maybe uh, eventually I would have gotten somewhere, but I certainly would have, would not have ended up with what I have now. Oh, I love that. It's, I think it's a, an oft ignored part of the writing process that it mm-hmm. actually takes some structure to sit down and write, even if mm-hmm. your book itself doesn't have that particular structure. That's right. I, when I wrote my book, I had the exact same experience as you, Misty. I was all over the place. I had several unwritten manuscripts, um, you know, just sitting there waiting, you know, for me to come back to them. And mm-hmm. meeting Angela pretty much changed my life, too. So right. <laughs> I, can, I can appreciate that experience. 
So let's move kind of past the writing phase. So you, you wrote the book and then you entered editing phase. And I know mm-hmm. a lot of authors that I've spoken to really had trouble in the editing phase because it was difficult for them to let go of some of the ideas that they'd come up with. Did you have trouble in the editing phase of your book? So I didn't have any trouble in the way that you described. Um, I've been a student uh, of life for life, so <laughs> I'm, I'm still learning as a dancer. I'm still training as a dancer. And, and dance training is nothing if not uh, perpetually being corrected. <laughs> you go to dance class, you are saying, here I am, correct me, fix me, make, make me stronger. So that's really part of our, our language here at our dance school and my other businesses is continuous improvement. So that part of it didn't bother me, and I welcomed it. The part of it that I had the hardest time with, however, was my nature and background as a teacher would lean my writing style toward a how-to book, toward ah. solving or fixing someone else. And what we were writing was a platform speaking book. And so I kept having to um, listen to my editor to pull away from the how and back to the what um, and that was really, really hard for me. And, and even today, I've done some keynote speaking off the One Small Yes book, and I find myself still listening to my developmental editor in my head saying, remember, <laughs> you're not here to teach them how to do this. You're here to teach them, um, you know, what the One Small Yes is about, um, why it makes a difference, what's yeah. the value in pursuing it, to share stories of other people who have pursued it, to light that fire inside of them. But at, at this point, between the book and the speech, it's, it's, not, a, it's not a 12-step program. We're not going to tell no, them not at all. how to do that. Now, that could be a future series. That could be a, a, a future workshop. So for me, that was the biggest challenge and um, one I can still hear my editor, Cynthia, uh, kind of on replay <laughs> in my head, like, it's not a how-to I was going to ask you who your editor was so that I could pass this along and and make sure she listened today so that she could know that she's still a voice in your head. (laughs) That's right. And, you know, really that's what an author wants to be is a voice in the reader's head long after they close the final pages of the book. You would want a publisher to be, you know, um, just an influence in decisions that you make well past your first engagement. And I, I often... Um, reflect back on my time in um, the author incubator and my work with Angela and I've shared on lessons that she's taught me with my own staff and team here. Um, I've certainly learned from the process about how we can make the learning process for our better for our own clients because we teach dance school, leadership management, uh, community involvement. So I learned a lot in her program that was so far beyond how to write a book and become an author <laughs> um, that that was really beneficial to me. I yeah, I I had the same experience, which is basically why I'm now working here at the Author Incubator because it was <laughs> it was life changing for me too to see that this process of writing a book of really dipping into who you are as a creative can change not only your world but the worlds of all the people that you interact with. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. So the burning question, I'm sure, for many of our listeners right now is, how in the heck did you manage 10,000 downloads in the first five days of publishing your book? (laughs) (laughs) Do you know? 
that I do, I do, and that that is a great question. Well, first of all, um, there's really two parts to this. One, we have an amazing team here at home. So I, I run a large dance school, and then we have our dance school affiliation program. So between our our people locally on the ground and then our affiliate school owners, we had reached out to what we call our our community and said if you would. Um, be willing to give me an honest review of my book. I would um, be pleased to share with you an advanced reader copy and, mm-hmm. you know, be a part of our launch team. And we had 150 people to raise their hands and say, we would love to have that advanced reader copy and share wow. that candid feedback with you and with the Amazon readers. So, and we had a very, very high degree of participation from the people who first raised their hands and actually finished through our launch date and participated in the first five days of launch. And, and not just that, though, because they became, uh, they didn't just, I think originally they might have done it for me. You know, hey, Misty, we know you, we love you, or you did something great for my kid, or you helped me, I'm going right. to help you. But the coolest part was, and where the real magic took place, is once they read the book, and I started getting emails saying, you know, I'm, of course I'm going to write a review, but I need to let you know how this personally impacted me and the change. Wow you know, that this is going to have on my life or how I interact with my family or it's, it's going to revolutionize my interactions with my spouse or I'm going to take that step. I, I literally had someone call and say, I'm leaving my job because I'm like making this career change because I realize I have this calling inside of me and I've just been pushing it down and not making any small yes efforts in that direction. And wow. so when people are feel that way about your book, they're going to share it with other people. So I know for sure we had some great traction through those 150 committed people who already knew me, but it was really their sharing socially. It was them taking it to their work communities, to their families and saying, you need to read this. This is a quick, direct, memorable um, uh, lesson in remembering what, I mean, think back to your childhood. What did you get excited about? What did you like? Yeah. How did you play? How did you interact? Those are probably clues to your calling. I'm trying yes. to hide those things in you. I mean, I, I was teaching um, my dogs in their playhouse. I was always wired as a teacher. You know, and here I am now teaching not just dance students, but adults how to run their dance schools. And, and beyond now, just general business owners, how to transform their lives. There are people who want to become business owners, how to take that first step. So when people are telling their friends about that, that's where the real viral power of the launch mm-hmm. campaign came into play. Yeah, that makes that makes so much sense. But what is it, do you think, about one small yes that resonated so much with everyone then? I because obviously, like you said, yeah, I think I think you're right. That, that's it's so simple, and I think you know you're right. It begins with the people who love you and care about you the most. <laughs> And then mm-hmm. once you introduce them to a simple concept, it's very easy for them to share what you put is out into the world. And something, um, and I think this really happened when I sat with my team and I was, I knew I was writing the wrong book and I had signed up to be a part of Angela's program, but I didn't really know what the new book would be. And they kept asking me, Misty, what do people ask you all the time? You have hundreds of school owners, and beyond that, you speak to thousands of people. You spoke in 28 cities last year. People <laughs> come to hear your story. What do they ask? And I said, well, more often than anything, they ask me, how did you do it? I mean, you didn't have any particular 
advantage of background. You didn't go to a fancy school. You didn't come from a, you know, a family of super means. Um, you know, you weren't <laughs> even that great of a dancer. I mean, you were capable, but it wasn't like you're, you were in Cirque du Soleil and your, your legs did crazy tricks over right. your head. How did, so how did you build this global network of, of dance schools? And how I would always answer that was, you know, I just did it one small yes at a time. I felt, felt called to teach instead of be on a stage. So I said yes to that. And then I said yes to writing for our industry magazine. And I said yes to speaking. Then I said yes to teaching. Then I said yes to creating an association. Then I said yes to, and those building blocks are now the framework of of the meaningful work that I do every day. And <laughs> remember my director of operations, who happens to be my sister, said, well, I think you just answered your own question. <laughs> it's not eight steps to a better dance school. It's how you built a life of meaning one small yes at a time. And Go sister. I think what's so, yeah, always she is. <laughs> but I think that's going back to what you said, why do people – uh, why does it resonate with them? I think right. because they can see themselves in the story. And it's not mm. me saying, you know, and I'm not, I'm not um, picking on any kind of, um, you know, I'm going to use yoga as an example here. And I love yoga and I, I do yoga, but it's not me saying, hey, <laughs> if you practice yoga, you'd have a better life. Because immediately right. if someone picks up that book, they might say, you know, I don't see myself in that because I, I'm not flexible. I've never tried yoga. But, you know, maybe it would just, uh, a yogi would look at that and say, well, that might be for me. But I think anybody can look at what the content is of one small yes and see themselves in there. I think everybody has something they were uniquely created to do. I, I call it, um, you know, your, your God calling. You know, mm. if God created us all uniquely, what did he create you to do? Um, you know, there's a lot of talk. Um, I, I, just, I just love reading God's word and it talks about like, well, you're the hand and someone else is the foot and someone else is this. Like, we're not all called to do the same thing, but when we function together in unity, we can produce amazing results. So, like, what is that part of this piece of life that you're called to be? You know, are, are you a person who goes and does? Are you a person who stays home and serves? Are, are you a creative? Are you going to be an innovator? Are you – and the list goes on. So anybody can look at one small yes and say, yeah, you know what? There are definitely some things I, I lean towards. I have a bent towards this certain vocation or this certain line of work, or this is what makes me excited. I, I, could, I could go for 12 hours and forget to eat a meal if I work on these kinds of things. Right. Um, that's what resonates with everybody. And then we just talk about how it's possible to do that, you know, without losing your family or your sanity in the process. <laughs> What two very important things to keep track of while yes. you're making yes. little one small yeses? <laughs> well, I don't know about by the way. <laughs> I don't know about our listeners, Misty, but I am super motivated now after talking to you. You you make me want to um, one small yes to my next book. This is amazing. Um, we only have a few minutes left, so I just wanted to ask you a closing question um, that I know a lot of people want to know from authors, and that is, what is the best thing to have come out of writing a book for you? Oh, I can um, tell you really fast. That is to know that I can do hard, hard things that scare me. So writing didn't scare oh. me. I had been writing and publishing articles, but the idea of taking a project of this size, I mean, this is way beyond the, the term paper I had to do for grad school. I mean, it's just, it's much more public. <laughs> it's much longer. It's 
you're really putting yourself out there. When you call yourself an author, you know, people expect something amazing. So it was, I, I was able to do something that I had perceived as hard and scary. And for me, that's going to be a value that's going to translate into my life, whether or not I ever write another book. Because when I face a business challenge or um, a personal challenge or a relationship challenge or a physical challenge, whatever the next challenge is, I'm going to remember, you know what? I, I've faced things that I had perceived as hard and scary before, and I learned how to do that. I can do it again. Ah, that is amazing. So if you would like to learn more about Misty Lown, there are two places you can go online to find out about her. One is her own website, mistylown.com. That's M-I-S-T-Y-L-O-W-N.com or onesmallyes.com. And uh, one is written out, not the number one. Misty, it has been so wonderful to talk to you today. I feel like we could speak for hours. <laughs> but... Well, I hope to meet you in person someday, Jen. And a, a shout out to Dr. Angela Loria for making this conversation possible. Oh, that's that's fantastic. Thank you so much. And uh, tune in next week when we'll speak to another rock star author about their journey from idea to published book. Thanks so much. This has been another episode of Book Journeys Radio, where we're changing the world one book at a time. To find out more about how you can get your book written, published, and promoted, visit www.theauthorincubator.com.